Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, today on Urban Spelunking, we're going to two separate breweries today. It's all about beer today on Urban Spelunking. I'm headed to the east side and to Glendale. Yeah, first we're uh, going to go to Good City, which is a young brewery, but uh, has found quick success, you know, and in an interesting mm-hmm. old building on mm-hmm. the east side that everybody probably recognizes. And in Glendale, we're going to visit the daddy of all Milwaukee craft breweries, Brecker Brewing, which uh, was the first Milwaukee brewery to open since Prohibition. So new and old, all sides of the craft brewery movement in Milwaukee yes. and beyond. We'll get into all that coming up today on Urban Spelunking. Let's start with Good City on the east side. What's up with this building? This is a, a really big, like, four-building complex that has a, a really deep history. Yeah, it looks like one building because when they built the sections between 1913 and 1920, as they added on, they kept the style of the building, so they matched it really well. But it was originally a building for a car dealership and an auto sales company, and that's basically what its life has been almost the entire time it's around, you know, except if few hiccups. And this uh, is on Farwell Avenue. Yeah, it's on, on Farwell, yeah, between the train tracks, which what uh-huh. used to be the train tracks, which is now the Oak Leaf Trail. And longtime Eastsiders would remember this as where Crank Daddy's once Crank was. Crank Daddy's was there. A slightly older Eastsiders would remember Lorino's and Debrito's car washes were there. Okay. Yeah. So it's had this auto connection for years before that, though. Is like yes. you said, uh, an auto dealership or was mm-hmm. it a garage? It was both. It had okay. been a dealership, a garage, a car wash. There was a filling station there for a while. I mean, it, it, there was an oil change place, really, just all sorts of car-related things. Um, there was also um, an engineering firm there in the 50s and 60s. So it had a lot of different things in there. But it had this little glimmer of a beer connection for a brief moment. Ever so briefly in the 1940s, it was a Schlitz warehouse for their paper goods, like cartons and six-pack holders and things like that. Okay. And that's not the only... Uh, I feel like whenever I'm on the east side on like North Avenue, I smell that paper smell. Is that from like the nearby? Yeah, Wisconsin Paperboard is north of North Avenue on the river. So was this area kind of set up for that, for like paper they're producing, or was it just storage at the Schlitz Yeah, no, thing? that was just storage Okay. There. Yeah, and so I don't no know. no connection. Not to my knowledge, although maybe the stuff was printed at Wisconsin mm-hmm. Paperboard, okay. and that's, yeah, I'm not sure about that. We'll just make that up and say that that's what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> they could walk it over. Right. You know. Um, but so then, it's after Crank Daddy's left, it sort of sat vacant for a few years, and the three guys who started Good City, two of them were fairly longtime Eastsiders, and they realized that, their neighborhood really needed a brewery. They wanted to do a brewery and they looked at various places, but they really felt like being kind of in their own neighborhood was a good place to be. And I think the f- the success they've had in that building has really borne that out. Yeah, and this was only like a year and a half ago, you mentioned, right? They and, opened a year and a half ago and, and, they're, and they're already in, I mean, if you go there, their canned beers, which are distributed by Beachwood, are already in grocery stores all over town. They're, you know, they're, you said yourself you had it at Miller Park last yep, year. It's, yep. it's really amazing. You go in there on the weekend, it's packed. They expanded uh, the footprint of the of the tap room to create an event space and to create a deck up on the roof. And there's times they're just packed. And at this point, a year and a half ago, there had no, there was really no other brewery, a craft brewery on, on the east side, right? No, I mean, really the closest thing would have been Lakefront in River West. You know? Yeah. And they said that they, when they were looking for buildings, this building was really uniquely suited for the needs of a brewery because there was no basement, right? It was yes. easier. Yeah. They actually found a number of other places they had looked at and gotten fairly 
involved in discussions, but those always, they had an issue with the weight of brewing equipment. You know, they have these huge tanks, they need pallets full of bottles and filled cans of beer, and I mean, there's lots of heavy equipment involved, yeah. and then they have forklifts bringing things in and out, so they really benefit from having a building that has that solid a foundation that it has no no basement. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, the weight of the equipment, but also the weight of the, the beer itself, sure, the yeah. liquid, right? I mean, that's... Right. It's a lot. The weight, of, the weight of us after we drink it. Right. And as you mentioned, really a busy destination location on the east side. Um, one of many now craft breweries in Milwaukee. Yeah, there's, I mean, the last couple of years there's just been an explosion of, maybe I shouldn't say explosion. <laughs> Knock wood. Big expansion. Uh, yeah, so there's been a big expansion in craft breweries in town. And there's, you know, it used to be you could count them on, it on one hand. And now, you know, you're hard pressed to think of them all. There's so many. So I guess time will tell to see how this will shape Milwaukee and if it'll be a successful model, if it'll yeah. be sustainable. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see. We are, you know, we are a beer town, but there are some places like Portland that have many, many, many times more uh, local breweries than we do, and they can sustain it, but it'd be interesting to see if we can if we can sustain what we have now, if we we'll, can handle more, if some will go. It'd be interesting to see. So, I mean, as you mentioned, Bobby, there was this big expansion. Now, all these microbreweries in Milwaukee, but 35 years ago, there was there were there were none. I mean, there was uh, one to come in 1985, and that's where we're headed next on Urban Spelunking. Yeah, yeah. Sprecher was the first. Uh, it was really the groundbreaker in Milwaukee. You know, the first. Uh, brewery in town since Prohibition. That is quite the claim, and it's, yes. it's, that's pretty interesting. So we're going to go there next. Sprecher Brewing on Urban Spelunking. Well, Sprecher Brewing is our destination on Urban Spelunking, and this is the oldest craft brewery in the state. In fact, when it launched back in 1985, Bobby, this was a time when there were like just over 50 breweries like this in the country. Yeah, Randy Sprecher says there were 56 breweries in the country when he started in 1985. Um, and, and that's that, all breweries, right? Not just microbreweries? Yeah, he did not specify, but I think that's that's all breweries, right? Wow. And... Um, but I, you'd had a you'd had a lot of consolidation at that point. Like mm-hmm. the, you didn't have the craft breweries you have now, and, and these big breweries, you know, they'd all consolidated and swallowed each other up. So um, now he says there's more than six thousand in the country. So from fifty six to now six thousand breweries in the country. That really shows you, you know, the the market that has been created for uh, craft beer and and different kinds and styles of beers. And really, uh, Randy Sprecher was. A, kind of a grandfather of this movement back in 1985. Yeah, it's interesting. He had uh, been in the military and he spent some time in Europe when when his time in the military was ending in the 60s and he fell in love with especially German beer but European beers that he felt uh-huh. like had a lot of flavor and a richness, a variety of styles and things like that that you didn't get here in the United States. And when he came back, he tried a lot of the same beers and he realized they, they were using these export formulas and he, you know he just decided he was going to make his own. He uh, said, there was this quote, he said that uh, a lot of this domestic beer is nothing more than just water with some foam in it. Yeah, basically, like, <laughs> right, well, yeah. So he started home brewing, and then he studied at UC Davis. They, had a brewing, they have a brewing program there, and he got hired by Pabst, which is how he comes to Milwaukee, does a ton of jobs at Pabst, decides he wants to go out on his own and do his own thing, and it sort of coincided with when he could see things kind of winding down at Pabst. Um, there'd been a ton of layoffs and things. Sure. So he started his own place, and uh, the, one of the first articles about him in the journal, he told um, the writer that 
if you want less filling beer with no af- aftertaste, then I'm not the guy for you. Basically, <laughs> you know, he wanted he wanted to do what you know what he had tasted and fallen in love with in Europe. He wanted to do really flavorful, good beers, and he wasn't going to really worry about yeah. the calorie count and that sort of thing. And, and that's I, that. I, and I mean, one of the pilots of that was that black Bavarian Sprecher uh, product that is still around today. One yeah, of their most popular ones. Still one of the most popular. He's been making that. He started making that in his house when he was homebrewing. He's been cool. making that beer for 46 years. And interesting too. I mean, everything that's going on in Walker's Point right now. The fact that Sprecher 2 began in Walker's Point years ago. That's, yeah. I think that's pretty interesting. And, and really, it would have still been here if not for uh, some things that were kind of beyond his control. He was not looking to move. Um, yeah, until what happened? The, until the, the tugboats crashing into the canal wall next to their building caused his parking lot to fall into the water. <laughs> wow. Um, so, and, literally like an act of, uh, uh, I was going to say an act of God, but this is more an uh, act of act, tugboats. Yeah, or Neptune maybe. Right? <laughs> act of something. <laughs> So he moves out to Glendale yeah, so and yeah, consolidates all the operations there. Yep, yeah, and um, and already they had begun making soda when they were in Walker's Point. About second or third year, he said they started making soda, and immediately the root beer became their biggest seller. Which is really pretty unusual for a brewery, I suppose. In fact, I was thinking about this, Bobby, like, I grew up drinking Sprecher. I've been drinking Sprecher since I was, like, six years old. Um, You're a true Milwaukee boy, right? You know, not the beer. It sounds right. it sounds funny to say that, but you know, all the sodas they made that was like yeah. such a treat, and and it remains the biggest part of it. They sell more soda than they sell beer. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Um, and you know, they've struggled a little bit in terms of numbers, production numbers over the years because this thing that he created, that Randy created or helped create, you know, this whole craft beer movement, movement, yeah. But also the craft soda movement. You know, the you got a lot of competition locally from all these new breweries opening. You know, shelf space in stores, tap space in bars, yeah. like all that kind of thing. But also with the soda, a lot of the bigger soda companies started to kind of come after him by making their own versions of, you know, their kinds of craft sodas. Yeah. But still, the his numbers are on the way back up, he says, and he's uh, he's taking the soda nationwide. Oh, really? So he's, yeah, and the soda is still their biggest seller. But he's doing all kinds of interesting beers. They own some hop farms up north, and so they're doing some interesting different limited release things that you can only get at the brewery. Yeah, when you were, I mean, just reading the article, Bobby, I got this sense of kind of quiet confidence from, from, or maybe not quiet, but confidence for sure. Comfortable confidence, yeah. yeah comfortable like, confidence. I yeah, mean, he's I mean, been at this for, for years. 1985 was the beginning of it all. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think, he doesn't, he's still willing to experiment and they're still willing to yeah. try new things. He doesn't, he's not sort of gotten lazy about that kind of thing. You know, like he's... You know, but you can tell he is sort of confident and comfortable of doing what he's doing. And he's, you know, he's seen ups and he's seen downs and he doesn't seem like he's panicky about anything. You know, he's he's confident that what they're doing, he's won tons of awards for his beers and his soda. So I think he thinks, you know, he's on the right track. So there's an expansion coming for Sprecher Brewing, some um, kind of a, a new model that they're experimenting with, with these satellite tap rooms. Tell me about that. Well, yeah, they bought the old uh, Brenner Brewing in Walker's Point. They're back in Walker's Point now. Okay. Not not brewing beer there, but using it as a tap room. You know, he really likes this idea of the sort of the German beer stube where you have people come in Stuba. and Stube. And they try the beer on tap and they like the beer. And so then the, there's a retail component. They can buy beer and then take it home. So that's what he's doing in Walker's Point. He's looking to maybe do that in some other locations too. I think he was thinking about Brookfield and some other areas in the metro area where he could recreate this model. Yeah, I mean, just the word tap room wasn't really something that I think anybody really was familiar with. You know, no. 10, 15 years ago, it was just there was no place like that. And now no, there's right? such a selection. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that, you know, how many different places you can go to. And... Um, we're going to go to a bunch of them. <laughs> we should. <laughs> we should. We should. 
Well, Sprecher Brewing, one of our destinations today, and earlier we talked about Good City Brewing, kind of comparing new and old in this craft beer movement in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We've, we've got, like, really both ends of the spectrum. Good City's not the newest, but it's among the newest. And, of course, Randy Sprecher was first. Yeah, new school, old school. And you can share this episode with a friend or find out more about what's going on in craft breweries in Milwaukee just by visiting. Bobby's columns, the full ones linked up right on this page at radioatmilwaukee.org. Bobby Tenzillo on Milwaukee.com. Thanks. Thanks, Nate.